Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. And, um, and I am so excited about today. I'm so excited uh, just to introduce to those of you that don't know Matt and Petrina Petri. There, there's a lot that I could say about Matt and Petrina. Um, when we came back to Louisville in 2012, we connected. It's, it's really amazing. We left Louisville in 2010, the year that they moved in to Louisville. And um, we came back and connected with them. And coming out of a, just honestly, a difficult time uh, that, that we had gone through in, in ministry in previous systems. And we saw in Madden Petrina something that was so attractive. And we learned, just in the time that we had with them, we learned so much from Matt and Petrina about family, about um, that, that it didn't have to look a certain way. Um, I, I mean, I could just go on and on, but more than that, Matt, when I, when I came back, Matt was a friend. He was a friend to me, and man, we would meet and talk real serious stuff like football and uh, <laughs> We would hang out and eat barbecue, and we did that yesterday. We just sat out on my deck, both of us, in the sun like we're crazy because the smoker was rolling, and uh, we just had a time. I just want you guys to know, both of you, how much we honor you. Our family loves you. We are so grateful uh, for the relationship that uh, we have with you guys, and um, Honestly, I don't, I don't even know how to put into words how much that we honor you guys and what we, what we think about Matt, Petrina, and Mia. And uh, so we love you, man. We love you all so much. We want you to come today, and uh, we, we want you to just absolutely just do what you do, man. Would you all let Matt Petri know that he's welcome? Love you, brother. Full circle. Here we are. I love it. Let's thank God for six years of service unto Jesus in this city, the Awakening Church. Come on, let's lift up our voices. Give glory to Jesus. Come on, for every obstacle they overcame, for the persistence. So good. We honor you guys. Thank you so much. Cam, I'm good, man. Thank you so much. It's good to see Cam back from Bethel. If you cannot find a wife in California, I don't, I don't know if it's possible to find a wife. Don't you wish they all could be Cal? No, I'm just kidding. It's good to see you guys. So yeah, we spent six hours uh, by the smoker yesterday, and and I'm obviously got some sun. You know, it doesn't hurt so much here or here, but right here is where it hurts. Uh, so. I'm so thankful to be back here in this city. It's a special city to my wife and I. I proposed to Petrina here in Louisville 19 years ago. We actually went up in uh, my Uncle Bill, who's here. We went up in my uncle's plane. He was flying over the city of Louisville, and I was going to propose to her on the plane. And I got nervous because she was telling Uncle Bill to do these moves in the plane. And I, started, I was like, oh, bro, I'm about to blow chunks 
in this plane. And I couldn't find the ring and got all nervous, whatever. So we had to, we had to land the plane. And then I proposed to her that evening, 19 years ago. And uh, we're so thankful to be back in this city. It's a special city to us. Like Ryan was saying, we had a little prayer meeting going on in our basement uh, back in 2010. And the Lord trans transitioned us into a another assignment. And these beautiful folks had on their heart to establish a church here in the city. And I'm so thankful they did. Who would have thought all those years ago, this would be what the Lord's doing with that man. And I just celebrate that. So thankful to everyone that has continued to stand by this family and to support them with your prayers, your honor, your encouragement, and just stay on the wall with them in this city. God's got big things in store for the city of Louisville. I have been part of hundreds of hours of prayer in this city to see the purposes of Jesus come to pass. And I'm so thankful y'all are set here. Um, because of your passion for the presence of the Lord and just got such a cool family. They're crazy gifted musically, can sing, can play, can you know, they're all crazy gifted in that way. But even more so than that, they have such a heart for God, heart for people. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just thankful. I, I, I love this family, Trenton and Cam and Haley and Brady, who is the least like least looking like a Bane, but he's still a Bane. He's still a Bane. He's getting tall. Last night, I had the privilege of being a part of a small prayer meeting, and that's just kind of on my heart this morning. I'm kind of just still trembling over some of the things that I heard prayed. I heard a man last night, this little prayer meeting, declare some things over a spiritual father in his life. There were several things that happened that I'm still kind of dazed about, but I heard a man say to his spiritual father, he, he put his hand on his shoulder and he said, you have never asked me to honor you and you're the man I honor the most. You have never asked me to call you father and you are the man I call father. And he went on and on with that. You, you never asked me to you know, to, to follow your leadership, but you're the one that I call a leader in my life. How special is that? And I believe that's what the Lord is doing all over the earth. He is giving birth to these moms and dads who don't have all this great zeal to receive honor, but just to make sure that you fulfill the purposes of God on your life, no matter what it looks like. And so uh, that's what we're giving our heart to. We, we, are, uh, we are in a, a time of transition right now. Very thankful for the Lord. <laughs> Dutch Sheets gave us a word, uh, and he said that this year would be a year of acceleration and that we were to expect the unexpected. I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that. I really don't know how to expect the unexpected, but... I can testify since he released that word over our lives, there has been this acceleration come uh, to the purposes of the Lord in our life. And it's the unexpected. It's the least thing I expected. And so I feel like the Lord for this house is marking this one year time to say, look forward one year and it's gonna, you're not even going to be able to recognize 
who you are in him and where you are in him, and it's going to all be good. It's, it's going to all be good because the Lord does things glory to glory. He doesn't go backwards. The increase of his government and of his peace will never know an end. And I feel that so strong that you could mark the date. One year from now, you're going to be going, whoa, wow, the goodness of the Lord. Uh, just like you're doing today over these last past six years. So we're thankful to be a part of that. And uh, he's good. I got my beautiful smoking hot wife here. And uh, she, <laughs> you're so cute, baby. You know you want to stand up. Stand up. Please stand up. Submit to your husband, woman. You need to stand up. She is amazing. Um, Ryan and Rebecca can tell you. You can sit down now. Thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to see. I just wanted you to see that I'm the president of the Married Up Club. <laughs> Except for PJ. PJ's beating me in that. PJ might beat me. <laughs> so uh, we're thankful that you all are here today and celebrating with the family. And um, I'm just, I'm just stoked, man. I'm so thankful. Um, I, I am a new man. I'm a different dude than, you know, six years ago when we were doing our, doing our thing. And a lot of the things that the Lord has me walking in now, my wife was already walking in effortlessly. This whole grace for family and connection and going deep in relationship with, with one another, she, she did that very well. And it, it took me some time to get revelation um, about what that can look like for a family. And I, and I had some, but uh, not to the degree that she had it. And so, baby, I just honor that heart for hospitality, loving people, going deep in relationship with folks. And uh, I love you with all my heart. He's so cute. This woman is amazing. I could stand here all day just talk about how amazing she is. She's an amazing mom, amazing wife. She's my hot chocolate. I don't know what to tell you. And I am the fluffy marshmallow in the cup. <laughs> Let's go to Luke chapter 13. And I don't know how long I'm going to stay in this. I might say this and then go to completely Acts 13 or something. The whole book of Acts is awesome. But I just want to say that I just want to share this because I just love the way Jesus talks in this verse. Let's go to Luke 13. Do you have New Living Translation? Sweet Dillage. All right, Luke 13, verse 31 and 32. Luke 13, verse 31 and 32. So we'll do 31. At that time, some Pharisees said to him, get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Next verse, Jesus responds, go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today, tomorrow, and the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. Let's go back to the previous verse. I just love the way Jesus talks to people. At that time, some Pharisees. Now, let's be really clear what a Pharisee is. A Pharisee is not a religious person. A Pharisee is a religious leader. <laughs> At that time, some Pharisees want to talk to Jesus about a political leader. It's really interesting here. 
At that time, some Pharisees, religious leaders, said to him, get away from here if you want to live. And I believe they're doing this because they're really jealous of Jesus and what he's accomplishing in their region. And they're losing control. They're losing control. They're kind of trying to control the narrative of what's to play out. And they start threatening Jesus. They start threatening Jesus and the very purpose for which he was put on the earth to do the will of the Father. And they say, get out of here. Get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas, the leader, the political leader of the region, wants to kill you. And the next verse, Jesus replies, go tell that old fox that I will keep on casting out devils. In other words, removing darkness off the city, removing darkness off of people's life, bringing them into the light, and healing folks, providing cures for people. Today, tomorrow, and the third day, accomplish my purpose. What I see in this small little statement of Jesus, number one, I see how he responds to a threat. Yes. Now, you may not have a King Herod over your life threatening you, but you do have an enemy who does release threats against your life. He does not want to see you into the purposes of God, enter into the purposes of God. He doesn't want to see you walking in the fullness that the Father has for you. And he wants to trip that up. And I feel like we need to have the same heart of Jesus on how we respond to a threat to our life. A threat that something may take us out, an offense, whatever it may be. I want to respond the way Jesus did. I am going to keep on with what the Father told me to do. This is something that someone says when they, number one, know who they are. And number two, know what the Father's told them to do. I'm, I'm right now building a discipleship program. It's super easy. It's three components. Number one, find out who God is. Find out that he's a loving father. Find out that Jesus is a bridegroom king. Find out that he is a good shepherd. Find out who God is. And number two, find out who you are in God. That I am beloved. That I am the sheep of his pasture. He's going to care for me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Find out who God is. Find out who you are in him. You're a son. You're a daughter of the king. And then number three, find the Holy Ghost's power to make those two truths real in your life. And when, when you know who you are in him and you know what he's called you to do, it doesn't matter if King Herod threatens to kill you, nothing can take you out of your purpose before God. I have made the mistake many times through the years of allowing other people of greater gifting to talk me into a lifestyle of lesser devotion to God. Do not allow people of greater gifting 
to talk you into a lifestyle of lesser devotion to Jesus. I don't care how the gold glitters and shines. I don't care how fancy it looks. I don't care how wealthy it seems. I don't care how successful they seem. Do not let any man or group of men, because they have something greater than you, more money, more time, more people, whatever, do not let them talk you into a lifestyle of lesser devotion to God. Stay with what the Father spoke to your heart and do not let any Herod talk you out of that position before God. Jesus knew what his purpose was. He knew who he was. I'm a son. I am the son of God. I know my purpose and I will not let anyone talk me in to something different. I've also made this mistake of valuing other people's opinions or even other people's prophetic words to my life more than I valued what I heard in face-to-face communion. If you have heard a whisper from the Father and, and, and you know it spoke to your heart strongly, you know this is the will of the Father. Do not let someone else prophesy to you, give you a dream to talk you out of what the Father told you to do. Don't put more weight on another man's prophetic word to your life more than you put on what you heard in face-to-face communion. Let prophetic stuff, dreams, prophecies, these things be confirmation to what you're hearing in face-to-face communion. Otherwise, you will not be authentic in what the Father wants you to release in the earth, and you'll be releasing what somebody else is supposed to release in the earth, and that never gets the inheritance. The Lord has an inheritance for each and every believer, and he doesn't want to give it to the false version version of you, an imitation of somebody else. He wants to give that inheritance to the truest version of who you are in him. Right. Am I saying too much today? I'm fired up. I don't know. Good. Good. Mighty God. I'm trying to help you because I've made that mistake. Now, I'm not saying that we don't, evaluate, we don't value the, the wisdom of other men speaking into our life. We, I, everybody knows I believe that. Yeah. But you have to get into this place where you start to see there is no mediator between God and you but Christ. And that relationship has to be in place or no amount of family or fathers, mothers in your life is going to make any sense. It will get out of balance and you'll get into idolatry and start valuing the opinions of man more than what God put in your heart. So Jesus says, tell that fox. It's interesting here, the Greek word for fox here is feminine. <laughs> Remember Herod's wife? I think Jesus is actually addressing the root here of an insecurity in Herod and Herodias, his wife, that had John the Baptist's head cut off. <laughs> Jesus gets to the root of the problem. Tell, the, tell that fox. I am going to keep on doing what I know the Father has told me to do. Jesus is into doing things. Now, being is more important than doing. Who we are is more important than what we do. 
I always want to have that in place for, for who we are in Christ. Your identity, who you are before God, is more important than what you do. Yes. What you do, men have a hard time with this, what you do does not define you. Who you are in God defines you. So when guys get together, the first thing we ask is, what do you do? Because we value what we do more than who we are. And, and, and we can always get tripped up with that. If I know I'm a son, I know who I am, I know what my purpose is. And I, I can just, let me just cut to the chase here for, for some of you that may be like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight God over my purpose. No, you're not going to win that one. Right. <laughs> my, my mom is sitting here on the front row and knows. I ran from God for years knowing I had a purpose for my life that God had for me. Yeah. I could be partying with my friends, doing drugs, getting crazy, going to jail, and I would tell them at the parties, I'm not going to do this forever. Yeah. I got to call a God on my life. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, bro, what are you talking about? And I'm draining the keg and the sun's coming up. I'm not going to do this forever, guys. I got to call God on my life. <laughs> and they were like, what? I'm like, you, 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 I can't escape it. Yeah. You can't. It may look different than anybody else's call, and that's okay. And that may be part of your process. But the will of the Father is going to be accomplished in your life. Praise God. (laughs) Right? Am I right? Yes. So I knew that will of the Father was orienting my life towards a purpose that the Father had for me. Now, some people make the mistake of doing what I call punting to providence. So they say, if God wants this to happen, wouldn't God do it? And so they, they, they punt to God, say, God, it's on you. We give you the ball, go for it. And that's not how the purposes of God, that's not how you get on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven is prayed here. Yeah. It's the Lord's Prayer there, our Father. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, there has to be this cooperation in our life with the purposes of God to see them manifest in the earth. Otherwise, they don't don't manifest. The blessings of God did not just fall out of heaven like ripe cherries out of a cherry tree and hit you on it. Bing, there's the purposes of God. No, you hear... And you have this sense of the will and the purpose of the Father in your life, and you cooperate with that grace. Now, you don't manifest it. You don't make it happen. But there has to be a response in your life that says, I am going to put myself in agreement with what the Father says for me, and we're going to see the purposes of God come to pass. And I see this in the life of Jesus. I am going to continue in the will of the Father no matter what it costs me. They said, he's going to take your life. And Jesus says, I'm going to keep on. I will keep on with what I know the Father has put in my heart, no matter what it costs me, no matter what relationships it costs, no matter what friendships it costs, because ultimately Jesus knows he is going to rule the entire earth. So Herod is like way down on the list of people that he is going to rule. He's not threatened by any rulership on the earth. He is going to rule all the heavens and all the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you know 
that God is going to rule all of the heavens and all the earth, it, it does something in you and it produces something that could look like pride to other people, but it's a confidence in God. Yeah. Holy Ghost. When you start manifesting a confidence in God and there's no earthly reason for you to be confident, people get nervous with that. Well, I got more money than you. I have more experience than you. I have more people than you. I have, what are you doing with this kind of confidence in God? There's no earthly explanation for it, saints. And to me, that's the perfect place to be because when the kingdom begins to manifest, Jesus gets all of the glory. Right, right, right. Not your hard effort, not your ability. Right. Jesus gets 1,000% of the credit and the yeah. glory. Yes. Yeah. So we're talking about the will of God in our lives and having a, having a sense of his purpose for your existence on the earth. And Petrina and I have been talking a lot about this lately, that there are things in our life that we know God has put in us. The Lord put it in there. The Lord put that pattern, that way of thinking in there. And there's some of those things that we put on the altar second-guessing whether or not this is something for us to do, this is the way we're supposed to think. Okay, well, I'll put that on the altar. And the Father never did put, tell us to put that on the altar. And we lost some joy in that process. Now, I believe that there are some things that the Lord, just like with Abraham and Isaac, God gave him that promise of Isaac. God asked him to put it on the altar. He was going, willing to take Isaac's life, and the Lord stayed his hand and said, no, Isaac's going to be your son and live and, and create this dynasty through you. I believe in that. But there are some things because we over-evaluate and we overthink, and we get a critical spirit towards our own self <laughs> and we shut down those simple things in our life that we know produces fruit. Jesus said wisdom is justified by her children. In other words, good decision making that honors God is justified by what it produces. Children are what you produce. Wisdom is justified by what it produces. Well, I know this produces something in the character and nature of God and it produces fruit in my life. Why would I analyze that thing to death? That's religion, man. When I know the simple, sacred connection to God produces fruit in my life, why in the world would I begin to get into this self-transformation and trying to make myself more holy rather than connecting to the one who is holy and who will make me holy. See, I'm not into a holiness movement. I'm into a 
holy, holy, holy movement. And that seeing him as the holy, holy, holy God will produce in me the holiness that honors the Father. But it's not self-transformation. I'm not into self-transformation. I don't go into prayer and beat myself up over how I have displeased God all the time. I get in there and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And like Isaiah, he'll take the tongs from the altar and apply them to my lips and make me holy and prepare me for service. But not self-transformation. The Holy Ghost transforms believers into Christ-likeness. Not me. And I think sometimes we can start to we can start to get into some frustration in a lot of areas when we're stepping out of his will when by overthinking everything. Is this okay? I'm just kind of in the river today, just kind of preaching from the river. Because I feel like, you know, this time of year is a time... Students are getting out of school. Students are graduating. This is a time of of transition for many people. And in those times of transition, there are natural things that come with transition that are difficult. Just if you change jobs, if you have an empty nest now kind of a thing, if you're moving house across town or whatever, there are natural challenges that go with that transition that can feel unfamiliar and that kind of thing. But I feel like also there is a, there is a grace from God that he can put in your heart in those times when he is transitioning you to awaken wonder in your heart again and that sense of adventure and the sense of childlike wonder. I truly believe that many believers do not live awake to the moment that the Father has them in. And we think that things are just, oh, you know, ho-hum, we're just kind of going along. And if we're not careful, we can get lulled to sleep and not be aware of all of the awesome things that the Lord is doing in our life in that very moment. And... These are great days. These are great and glorious days. And I don't want to be asleep to the purposes of God in my life. I want to be fully awake. And um, a friend of mine, who's a very, very prophetic friend of mine, he said, coming into 2019, he said, I feel like this year is not the year I expected, but it's the year I needed. It's not the year I expected, it's the year I needed. I can tell you, five months into this year, this is not at all what I expected. <laughs> but it is what I have needed. And I, I'm, I'm in this discovery and transition, and I feel the Lord putting me into this new thing that he has for me and with him. And it feels surreal. I'm like pinching myself. Is like, this is really happening, Lord? <laughs> And it is happening. So I, I'm sitting there, I'm having this cool discussion with the Lord, like, what, what, what is going on? I feel like I'm, I'm in this transition. 
I feel like there's change coming and I'm adjusting and I'm trying to, like I got a new coat on and it don't quite fit right, but I got to break it in, you know, a new pair of shoes. Well, I don't know what's going on. It feels different. But I know even in there's a, there's a little bit of natural fear, but it's like, but what's he going to do? You know, what, what, what is he fixing to do? And so I'm sitting there and I, I, I'm talking to the Lord and I'm having this conversation and I go to uh, this uh, museum, Pioneers, the Pioneers Museum in Colorado Springs. And I'm walking around uh, there in, in Colorado Springs and I'm texting one of my buddies. He's a real prophetic dude. And we have this little saying that we want to be a part, uh, we want to be a people wide awake. Not, not, not everybody wants to live woke, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people want to keep the blinders on and just be like, bro, I'm good. You know, I don't, I don't want to know that. I don't, I'm good. I'm good. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be woke. Right. I want to live woke. <laughs> Awakening. I want to be awake to the purposes of God. So, so I'm walking around this museum and I'm checking out all this cool stuff, telling the history of Colorado Springs and all this. And I get to this one section of the museum and there's this whole wall full of what they called the wide awake club and it was this time during the civil war where many leaders in Colorado Springs would house slaves that would escape the south take care of them give them jobs and they would homestead several African Americans um, left the south in slavery and moved to Colorado and became homesteaders and the crew that helped them come out of bondage and come into a place of homesteading was the Wide Awake Club. You can do, do your research on it. The Wide Awake Club. And I sat there and I said, Lord, wake me up. Wake me up. Not, not just to the areas that I need transformation. Wake me up to how good you are in this moment. Wake me up to what I already have. Wake me up to the fact that I have a wife that loves me, a daughter who loves and honors me. I'm a rich man. Right. Wake me up to how good you are and how good I've got it. I've got I got it pretty good. It doesn't mean I don't have challenges. I don't have that. But I want to be awake to what he's doing and what he has put in my heart. I want to live wide awake. And I feel like this is what Jesus, Jesus is not bummed out about a threat from Herod. Why would you be bummed out about a threat from a boss or an enemy or someone who don't like you? He's good. He is for you. He has, he has overwhelming interest in what he has for your life. Overwhelming interest in the details of your life. You say, prove it to me. Okay. He said, I have the hairs of your head numbered. Right. I always look at Mike when I give that verse. I love to look at Mike. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Mike. You know that. He has your hairs numbered. That's not a one-time event. He didn't count them when you were seven. People lose hair, you know. So he's continually keeping that updated in his, in his mind of how many hairs you have on your head. Now, if he's concerned about that, he has intimate, 
detailed concern about every single detail of your life. And he wants to make sure that you stay on that course that he has for you to see the purposes of God fulfilled for your life. Jesus said, I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on casting out devils, healing the sick. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to do that tomorrow until the whole purpose is fulfilled on the third day. Do you have that kind of life-orienting direction in God towards a common goal with heaven? I have that. I'm 44 years old. I know exactly what I want the next 44 years of my life to look like. Now, I don't have all the details, but I know I am giving my heart to what we call the presence movement. I believe the next move of God is not an apostolic movement. It's not a signs and wonders movement. It is not a glory movement. This is what Dutch prophesied in 2008. It is not any of those things. It'll include all of that, but it's not primarily of that. It's him. It's a presence movement. And I'm setting my heart for the next 44 years to give my life to that one thing. This is what David had in his life that one thing I will desire, one thing I've desired of the Lord. I want to see his beauty. I want to be in his temple asking God questions. I want to encounter God. You need to have that life orienting vision from heaven that is pointing you towards a common purpose with God. I'm, what, I, what I mean by that is this is God's idea first, and I'm setting my heart in agreement with that will, and I don't have to have everything figured out as long as the decisions of my daily life are pointing me towards that end. Yeah. You know, the Bible says that our days, the Lord has written them down in a book. Psalms 119. That all of your days, he's writing this thing. He's, he's writing the story of your life. I was in a, a youth camp a couple years ago. And the Lord told me that there are youth in there. I had this picture of the way some of the youth were looking at God the Father. And it was a picture of God the Father raising his fist back and striking them when they blow it. And I was like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? And I prayed with about it. I was like, Lord, okay, you want me to, is this a literal thing that has happened to some of these kids in here? They've been beaten by their father kind of a thing. Is this a view of God kind of a thing? And the Lord's like, yes, that's, that's what it is, exactly. So I get up there. And I start sharing this vision. I said, the Lord says that some of you here, that your view of God is every time you blow it, he's rearing back his fist to strike you and pummel you down in punishment for your sin. And I said, and also there's some of you in here, that's the way your natural father treated you. If that's the case, I want you to get down to this altar. The father's going to touch you and heal you. And those kids just came straight And man, they just came running down there, man. And, and uh, while I was up there, we were ministering to them. The Lord gave me this cool little phrase. He just said to me, you can see that damage that your father did to you as an entire book, or that could be one sentence in your book. 
It doesn't have to be the whole book. My little girl, she's adopted, and we so value adoption in my home, and we honor people who adopt. We we love that. We are so thankful for that. But saints, that's not her whole story. That is one sentence in the whole story. And I'm telling you, you can choose to see the betrayal, the rejection as a whole book in your life, or you can choose to see it as one sentence and let God, the Holy Ghost, begin to finish the rest of the story. Come on. That divorce is not the whole book. That sickness, that disease, that failure, that business failure is not the whole story. It is but a sentence. And I believe the Father today wants to come and not only just see it as one sentence, but to take out his eraser and begin to say, the blood of Jesus washes all of your sin away. God does not define your life, years and years of years of crying out to him, one night of a screw up, he doesn't define your whole life by that one thing. It has not taken him off guard. He's not tripping over it. He actually had the guy who was going to leave the church, that dude denied Jesus. I ain't denied Jesus. Bro, I've screwed up, but I didn't deny Jesus. Peter said, I don't even believe in him. I I don't have nothing to do with him. That guy denied Jesus. Jesus restores him. 50 days later, he's leading the greatest outpouring in history in Acts chapter 2. Peter's Peter's denial is not the whole story. It's not the whole story. And I'm saying, Lord, I call for those scrolls. I call for the pen of heaven. You said in Ephesians 2 that we are your poem. We are your workmanship. You're writing a beautiful poem. And everybody's poem's going to be a little bit different. You know, some of you may have a little more prose. Mine may be a little more scattered. But... It's all good. It's all him. Yeah. yeah. So good, man. This first six years, beautiful. Beautiful things we can write in there. And, and the Holy Ghost can some, erase some bad memories. Yeah. Forgetting those things which are behind. Right, right, right. And I press towards the mark. Yeah of the high calling in Christ Jesus. In other words, I push delete on hurt, betrayal, failures, mistakes. I push delete on yesterday and I have a fresh yes in my heart to what he has for me today. I love how Mike Bickle says it. You know, he's like, if you... If you uh, sin, and I believe in repentance for believers. I believers, believers still need to repent for those areas in their life that are not like Jesus. I have some dudes I know that don't believe that anymore, but I do. And when you blow it, you sin, you get before the Father, you ask him to forgive you. He does. 
Yeah. He, he actually does. He delights in showing mercy. Yeah, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We ask him to forgive us. We put our trust in him to enable us and empower us to change those behaviors. We push delete on that thing, and then we get up as first-class citizens in the kingdom of God and march forward in what he has for us. If you don't do that, what you do when you blow it is you get down in the muck and mire of that. You put yourself on spiritual probation. You get in this thing where you stop talking to God, and when you sin, you run from him. But the beloved knows that when they blow it, they can run to him, and his arms are wide open, ready to clean you off and get you back into his, his house, his kingdom. It's one sentence. It's not the whole book. So now you can choose to let that thing dominate your life. Or you can get a hold of what the Father's doing. Be awake to what he's saying about you. Get connected to that and watch him turn things upside down. I saw this. I was praying and asking the Holy Ghost about this service. And I saw that there, one person, there may be more in here, that I saw someone that needed to hear this, that your memorial stones, I'll explain what I mean by this. Don't set up a memorial stone around negative memories. Israel a big part of their worship was remembering. I took a class at Asbury, a worship class, and the class was called Time, Remembrance, and Worship. And what we did is we went through the entire Bible and looked at how worship, Tabernacle of David, worshiping God, was so connected to Israel remembering. In other words, when you begin to remember what God has done for your grandparents, your parents, and the history that you have, it stirs up present faith for you to enter into that same joy and celebration of what God has done. They were to remember the mighty works of God, not to remember all of their failures. I mean, the whole thing of the Passover lamb and the whole thing of, you know, the, the Jews would not even eat the sinew part of the lamb because that is where Jacob, Jacob is in his wrestling with God, God touched his hip socket and he walked with the limp the rest of his days and was called Israel. God changed his name. And to honor a father's encounter, by, to remember that, they wouldn't even eat that part of the flesh of, of an animal. It was all a part of remembering. When we take communion, do this in remembrance of me. It's remembering what Jesus accomplished at the cross. When the children of Israel crossed Jordan, the Lord told them to get stones from the river and build a memorial out of the stones from the river. And the idea there is that all of my memories come from the river. I don't set up a memorial stone around those people did me wrong. <laughs> Tear those down today. If you have to kick them down, tear down those altars to a memory 
of pain and hurt. And allow the Holy Ghost to lead you down into the river of his presence and I'm gonna build a memorial stone. I'm gonna build a memorial out of the stones that I pull from the river. So in other words, my memories of the goodness of God in my childhood, my memories of the goodness of God in my youth, my memories of the goodness of God yesterday are what I wanna focus on and not remember the hangups, the failures, the disappointment. Because if you do, those things begin to become your storyline. And instead of telling your children of the goodness of God, you rehearse the disappointment. And when you put it like that, that wakes me up. That wakes me up. That wakes me up. It's not that I'm trying to be fake and I don't want to be authentic. It's just that there is something of worship that brings honor and glory to God that says, yeah, there was a challenge, but look what the Lord has done. So some of you might be saying, you know, I don't know what's next for my life. Well, what's next may be looking back for a second at the goodness of God and the memories that you have of his faithfulness and begin to give him thanks for that and watch, all of a sudden, you will accidentally stumble into the future that he has for you. I'm thankful to be alive. All of my buddies that I ran with back when I was a hellion running from God, all of them are dead. Every single one of them are dead, except one, he's in prison. They're all dead. I'm I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful for the goodness of God that has kept me. I'm thankful that when I wanted to quit, something in me stirred up and said, no, today, tomorrow, until it's fully accomplished, I will keep on. I will keep on. I'm I'm going to keep on. And I'm so thankful that in the kingdom of God, you don't have to... You don't have to put all of your allegiance and dependence upon a man to see the purposes of God come to pass in your life. Wes, you're going to do it differently than I do. You're going to think differently about things, and you're supposed to. You know, my Uncle Bill, he thinks different. He's an engineer. He thinks differently about the kingdom of God, but no less of a man who is of the kingdom because he does it differently or thinks differently. We need his unique expression in the earth. We need your unique expression in the earth. And that doesn't come by us rehearsing the negative. It comes by us honoring the goodness of God, living awake to that moment and allowing the Lord to say, I want all your memories to come from the river of his presence. I want all your memories. I, I want all of it to be those marking moments in your life. Listen, like I said, I'm 44. I can still remember being eight years old in that Boy Scouts club with a woman preacher <laughs> who in Huntington, West Virginia, they wouldn't let her preach in any of the churches. 
but she had fire in her bones and she rented out the Boy Scouts Club and when you walked in that place, the glory of God was in there and she called me out. She said, stand up, young man, raise your hands and the tears began to fall. And she said, the Lord is marking you this day. You have a call of God on your life. The Lord is gonna use you. The Lord's gonna call you to himself. He's gonna put a strange and unusual anointing on you. I remember this at eight years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I got locked up, you know what I remembered? That moment in the Boy Scouts Club. <laughs> I remember we moved to Texas, five, six states away from West Virginia. Nobody knew that little fiery prophet in the Boy Scouts Club. Nobody knew her. I go into this African-American church because in Southeast Texas, you know, we moved there and it was bad racist. Like they have black cemetery, white cemetery, you know, it was really bad racist. We weren't. So we were going to the white churches and needed a little more fuego. So we went over to the black churches and we went in this small little storefront church hotter than the face of the sun. And they, little mamas on the back row had them tambourines. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm loving this. Then this dude walks in. He has a bishop robe on, praying hands sewed into the, to the robe, man. And he's just getting it. He's prophesying. He turns out, looks at me, he says, young man, the Lord says there's a call of God on your life. You have a strange and unusual anointing on you. I'm like, What? Two months go by. We go to a TBN station, Beaumont, Texas. Mom was asked to sing Beaumont, Texas on the TBN program. I'm sitting in the back. This, another person <laughs> looks back at me and says, young man, you back there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm probably 17 at this time, 16, 17, I don't know. They start prophesying to me and says, <laughs> this is hilarious. They say, I see you in your bedroom and I see a flash of light come from the ceiling and shoot through your body. And I, and I said, no, no, that didn't happen. You know, I was like, and it actually really did happen like a month before. I had that crazy encounter in my room. I was, I was depressed. I was like, God, I don't want to live no more. I was so depressed. I was having fights with my stepdad. It was horrible. And I go in there and, and I go into my room and I ask the Lord, Lord, if, if you really care about me, I need to know. And this flash of light from the ceiling shot through my head. I was instantly delivered from depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, completely delivered. These people don't know that. I didn't tell nobody but my mom. We go to this place and these people are prophesying exactly what happened. And they said, we see this light shining in your room. And the Lord says, you have a strange and unusual anointing on your life. Yeah. And I'm going, dang it. I can't run from him. He's everywhere. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> He's so good. And I know we all will talk about how dark the world is and how everything's going south. You know what? In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah had an encounter with the Lord. You know what the seraphim sang? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The earth is filled with his glory. You can choose to be awake to how much darkness is out there, or you can choose to see 
because of your nearness to him, I see things different. I see an earth full of his glory. When I look at them snow-capped mountains in the Rockies, I'm like, I'm, I, I can't be moved. God cannot be moved. First time I saw the ocean, wow, I didn't put that there. <laughs> That's big. That's awesome. The earth is filled with his glory. I went into this, I was meditating on Revelation 4 and seeing those, just in meditation, just with the sanctified imagination, just allowing the Holy Ghost to use my, you know, your imagination is a powerful thing, by the way. And a lot of people use their imagination to do dark things, but you can also use your imagination to build faith to see the kingdom come. So I'm using my imagination. Best use for my imagination is contemplative prayer, and I go for it. And I'm sitting there just imagining those seraphim and that storm cloud around the throne and them singing and spinning. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about Jesus is the one who designed all this stuff. Right. It was his idea to put a six-winged bull in his living room. Yeah. I mean, who does that? There is a six-winged bull that flies, runs around Jesus' throne singing holy, holy, holy all the time. I mean, who does that? I love this guy. He threatens Herod, calls him a fox put six-winged bulls in his living room. He's awesome. I'm sitting there thinking about this, and I'm like, the Bible says that they have, their wings have eyes within and without. On the inside, and they have them on the outside. Wings full of eyes within and without. And I'm sitting there thinking about that. Man, they, them dudes can see everything. They can see everything in every direction. And those eyes look at themselves all the time. And you know what they still sing when they see themselves? Holy, holy, holy. You know what? When I look at myself, I don't look at the nasty. I look at the glory of Jesus. I'm in him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord in me. And when I adjust that thinking, I start making decisions that agree with the holiness of God rather than my self-transformation, which never works. You will never put to death the deeds of the flesh with the flesh. You put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. And if you are fleshing out, it's because you're not enjoying the Holy Ghost. Right. You're not having fun in the supernatural. Which I don't know if that was real tongue or not, but it's fun to say it. <laughs> Go tell that fox. I'm going to keep on. And I, I don't mean to get pragmatic. Uh, I think a little prag, we could use a little pragmatism. <laughs> Like, it, I know this is good, and it works. And I'm not going to psychoanalyze that. Think, think of it like this. When you, got, when you first got saved, you weren't making it so complex. I, I wasn't. I'm so guilty because I'm a thinker, and I got a master's degree in theology, so it's even worse. So, but... but they, the disciples got wrecked, saved by Jesus. He immediately, you guys are leading this thing, go. With their simple faith, they know what he told them to do, and they just went and did it. And it, 
the complexity of it, the overanalyzing it, takes the wonder out of it for me. It takes the joy right out of it for me. So if there's anything I'm saying today, it's like, let's come back to him, the simple sacred path to him, allowing him to take us on an adventure, no matter what that looks like. Maybe some uncertainties ahead, but I have a thing in my heart to make sure that all my memories, the memories that I'm leaving for my daughter come from the river of his presence. It's from my encounters of the goodness of God. Building that storyline of the goodness of God in our lives. And I will not be moved off that. I have a I will keep on in my heart. And I'm finally to the place where I still have some insecurities, definitely, to overcome, definitely. But I'm finally to the place where, though none go with me, I am going to do this. And you, when, when he starts talking to you about the will of God for your life, you say, how do I find that out? It's look in the word. There's plenty of things to do in the word that can get you going, get you started. But let me ask you this. In your most intimate times with God, what do you see yourself doing? Who do you see yourself with him? In your most intimate times of encounter, you know, with the tears and the snot and the, what, who do you see yourself at? What, what's happening there? To me, those are marking moments of what I feel, what I know that I'm supposed to be and do in the earth. And I'm putting the flag on the hill. Presence movement. All my days. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it takes, I'm orienting my life to establishing the presence movement. And where we fall asleep many times is that we're not awake to the preciousness of what the Father has for each one of us to do. For, sometimes it takes a crisis. I mean, you think of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., an amazing leader who brought about so much change, but look at the opposition that was against him. Look at what he was facing that day. So that produced in him this go get it to see segregation removed, racism removed, and I'm sitting there going, Lord, what does it take for a son or daughter in the kingdom of God? Does it take all that opposition for us to finally live awake to the moment? Like if I, if I did have a crisis, I would rise up. What if I have something glorious going on? Can I rise up and live awake to that, that I don't need crisis, I need Christ, and I need him to stir in me what he has for me? And I'm okay. I'm okay if it looks different. I don't, I'm okay if it's five people. I actually might do better if it was just five. <laughs> what you're doing here with your heart for presence, and family, revival, is huge to the heart of God. It's huge to the heart of God. If you don't believe that, you don't believe that he wants to see the nations become the kingdoms of this world, become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Right. And we each play a small role in that or a large role. It doesn't matter to him. They'll pay is all the same at the end of the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom discipling those babies in the kingdom of God or 
you're retired and believe in God for the next assignment in your life, what that looks like, he has a plan. He has a purpose. He's going to make it clear. I want to pray for those of you that have had, I know I was all over the place today. And if, baby, if you have anything or if you guys have anything, we flow together, whatever, prophesy to everybody in here if we want to. I'm, you know, I, I just love Jesus. Whew. Let's just take a minute to just pause before the Lord. Just wait on him and just, the Bible says that where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. And I believe he is right here in the midst of us, Jesus himself. So just take a minute to be aware of him in the room. See those blank pages in your book. I see blank pages. And the Lord is excited. I see the Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith, so excited to put pen to paper with you. I see the Lord full of wonder, glancing back and forth to you from the page to your eyes. From the page, he looks at the page, he looks to your eyes. What do you want it to look like? What do you want to do next? It's like, it's like Frodo telling Sam, there's some more room in the book. Do you have any comedy chapters in that book? Do you have any mystery? Is it a mystery novel? Might want to write a fiction that includes your enemies in it and obliterate them in fiction. I know this, every book God writes is an adventure. I'm ready. So Lord, I ask that you'd release grace all over this room for the new horizon that you have for each one of them to orient their life towards. It's you. It's you on the other end of that horizon. We ask that you'd release grace, release wind to their back, Lord, that they will not be trudging forward in headwinds, Lord, but they'll have a tailwind carrying them into everything that you have for them, the dream of your heart.
I just see so many, as Matt began to talk a little bit about encounters that he had when he was a little boy, when he was eight or when he was six or when he was 17, I just felt like the Lord just impressed upon my heart that that is what this house is all about. That there would be small encounters that would change people's hearts. It would change people's desires. It would change people's books. And where they felt like there was a period or an exclamation mark or something that just halted their story, I felt like in this six years of At The Awakening Church that they will be remembered by the encounters that they had at the gym or the encounters that they had at the ground, the encounters from the people that said, he met me in that place. He met me at that church. He met me at that event. He met me at that picnic. There were encounters. I thank you, Lord, for them. I just thank you, Father, for increasing the wind in this house, the six-year anniversary. I thank you, Lord, for the wind that goes up and down these aisles, the wind that blows in these sails. I thank you, God, for the wind that would come in and bring encouragement, that would come in and bring hope, that would come in and take people who are full of addiction. And in one instance, in one encounter, that wind would just wipe that off of them. I thank you for the wind. I thank you for the wind that puts a smile on a face who has been in depression. I thank you for the wind that takes someone that has, doesn't understand what it means to be in family and you put them right here in the wind. I thank you for the wind and awakening church. God, I thank you for the wind that comes and brings breath to our heart. I thank you for the wind that washes the dullness away and Father, we become bright again. I thank you for that wind. <sighs> And I thank you for the encounters that I saw. Little ones and big ones in this house that changed stories. It changed chapters. This is the right place to do this, and I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So y'all just bear with me as I listen to the Holy Ghost, yeah? There's a little girl named Liliana, and I can't seem to get her off my heart. And I just want to bless her this morning because I believe that there's, going to, there's an encounter here. She, will you grab her? she back in the class? Will you just grab her for me real quick? Just start praying in the spirit. I believe this is something that's going to be significant. It's the same instance that when my husband, with the story where a woman or that man spoke to them, I really felt this over my heart with her. Is this okay to do this? Hey, if we can't speak into our kid's life and wait for one second, right? <laughs> for a child to come and just get blessed by Jesus. If we're so, we're so much in a hurry, which I know this house isn't. Come here, little mama.
Auntie Trina's gonna pray, okay? Is that all right? And pray over, pray over you? Yes? Just stretch your hands this way. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the purposes of God over her life. God, I thank you that even at a young age, you will walk with her and you will talk with her. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you will cause her to begin to even see you in a way that you are full of color. I see color all over her. I see, Father God, that you've even caused her to be in a mixed family because you want to express to her color. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have even caused her to be in family in a different way because you want to express your expression of difference in her life. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that at a young age, she will begin to see visions and dreams of you. God, I thank you, Lord, that she will see that sea of glass and she will see that emerald rainbow. And Father, I thank you, God, for the mercy that is over her life. That, Father God, that even when this family sees hardship, that she will be a picture of mercy. That she will be a picture of that emerald rainbow. So we declare over her today, dream in color, little one. Dream in color. Write in color. See in color. And be an expression of his mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you have not forgotten her. And you will never forget who she is and who this family is. We thank you for her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you give God some praise for that? That's good stuff. I believe that what just happened was an exact example of the obedience of God in this house. The fact that I felt so comfortable to be able just to obey God and grab a little girl and declare something over her. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the wind in this house. So I just want to bless you all and to say thank you. There's a place in Kentucky, right? Where there's obedience of God and people want encounter. They want people to feel what it means to be loved by God. No matter where you come from. Yeah? It's an honor to be with you guys today. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we know that a man may make plans, but you devise his way, Lord, and we don't want to do anything without you, so we do ask for impartation. Let us be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And I thank you today that one year from now, the book's going to look a whole lot different. The storyline's going to look a whole lot different. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to surround this family with favor as with a shield. I thank you that you surround the Bain family with favor as with a shield. Thank you for unprecedented favor. Thank you for an explosion of light in the city of Louisville. Thank you that all things are possible in Possibility City. That all things are possible in this city. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Shoo.
Hallelujah. Holy Ghost. I'm so thankful for their, their choices and the path that they have taken. I really am. I can tell you that I'm, let me just say, I'm super thankful for the choices they've made. The relationships they have and I'd be, I'd be, if I was in this city, I'd be honored. And I was in this city and I was honored to connect and run with this family. You're a blessed, blessed family to be connected with them and to run with them. It's an honor. It's an honor. Holy Ghost. We're going to move on in just a second, but I'm feeling the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Um, as Matt was speaking about deleting memories, I feel like that is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, so, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the author. You're the one with the pen in your hand. You can even have erasable ink. <laughs> Thank you. That you are the miraculous. And so, God, I ask right now for those that are in the room that have dealt with uh, tormenting thoughts of, of the past, negative things from betrayal to, to failure to wrong decisions to abuse I thank you right now that, that in, in the gentleness of the Holy Spirit that you are bringing t those to the top so that they can be cut off in the name of Jesus. Right now, some of you are thinking those thoughts. You're seeing it. You might even feel the feelings that you felt in those moments. It is the opportunity for there to be a deletion of that. Yeah, so right now, we lift to you these, these images, these thoughts right now. We lift them to you, Jesus, and we thank you that you are pressing the delete button now. Thank you, Jesus. It's done. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And we ask you right now that you would give us the thought of Jesus towards us in this moment. We want to know what you're thinking about us. We want to know what is on your mind concerning us now, that you would, in, in the place of those negative thoughts, that you would begin to write the story, the, the sentence, the chapter, that you would begin to write that with your ink, with, with your miraculous ink, Father. We just pray for minds right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you're replacing, you're replacing negative thoughts and you're bringing you're bringing the thoughts of Jesus and what you think about us oh, into our minds right now. And I thank you that what you think about us is permanent. I thank you that what you think about us doesn't get erased. And we thank you that you are switching our brains on right now. You are, you are helping us to think rightly. That we will set up memorials about what you think about us. Your opinion, your glory, your doxa, that how you see us, what is your view of us? That's what we will meditate on. That is what will be our memory. That is what will be what we set a memorial around in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, that this 
This will be the beginning of a new thought life, a new pattern of thinking. Thank you that you are bringing healing to our minds and redemption through the blood of Jesus that we put on the helmet of salvation, which redeems our thoughts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a new mind in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.